So it is so good to be here today. I'm excited um, just to share the word, and I want to share an offering message. Um, a couple weeks ago, we actually, Pastor Troy purchased some licenses for a group to start studying financial peace together. And it's such a gift, right? Because our church is sowing into people that just want to grow and want to do it in community. And thank you, Brett and Colleen, for just opening up your home because I know your heart is for community. Like their heart is so for unity and community. So if you have a chance to go, just go and get to know them. They're a mighty family, mighty leaders. We're thankful. Um, But I've we're going to go through this together with the group, Adrian and I, because you can always grow. You can always grow because the goal is not just to be debt-free. The goal is to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. That's the goal. And so if I hear the Holy Spirit say to give, I want to be joyful. I don't want to be stressed. I don't want to worry about how that money's going to happen or what I'm, what I'm supposed to do. If the Holy Spirit tells me to do something, I want to be able to obey. And sometimes that takes all the time. That takes preparation and obedience in the little things. So there's a portion of this book that I wanted to share this morning. It says, giving changes you. We're not trying to be mushy or corny, but it's a fact. You see, God is the ultimate giver. And when we give, we start to look more like him. Isn't that true? Like we start to look more like God when we're giving. In First Chronicles 29, 14, it says, everything comes from you and we have been given you, or we have given you only what comes from your hand. You know, we can't give God anything he hasn't given us. And that's why we have to just be thankful, like Pastor Sue was saying, that we get to be in his presence, that we get to hear his voice, that we get to give what he's given us. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't submitted your um, your paycheck, your wealth, whatever it is, to tithing, <laughs> try it. That's the one thing God says, test me on. He says, try it. He is faithful. He is true. He never fails. So I want to just encourage you to do that. If you can't do 10%, start at five. You know, he's, he's a patient father. He's not going to push it down your throat right away, but it's good to obey and do something. So let's pray and bless this offering. Thank you for giving. I'm excited about Timberlake. Um, we are partnering with churches, actually. They actually have lunches given to kids all summer long. And if you can only come one day, please, just come one day. It's so fun. It's so fun to get to know the kids and tell them about the Lord and just hug them, you know, spend time with them. Um, so that'll be fun. It's July 10th through the 14th. And it's from like 1030 to 1230. Not very long at all. So let's bless the offering. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to give. Thank you, Father, that you've given us everything, and we give back to you. And we get the benefit and the privilege to looking like our creator, looking like our Father. So I just thank you for that. I thank you for the givers in here. I thank you that you have equipped this ministry to do so much for you, and it's such a blessing. We praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, I'm excited to speak today. I wasn't supposed to speak today. My dad was going to be here, and um, he hasn't spoken in Avon Lake yet this year. And so I was super excited about that, but he's not feeling well. Please pray for him and my mom. They're here from Florida, and they caught that silly little 
respiratory thing that's been going around. But um, I think it was a little bit harder this week to get it because of the air. It kind of made it a little bit worse. But we're just going to pray against that smoke. You know, I was out in my backyard this week just speaking to it and asking for the wind of the Holy Spirit to come and blow it away. And I believe that, you know, we, we are going to begin to see these things happen um, when the church rises up. And that's actually kind of what we're going to talk about today. I know that I've been doing the Churches of Revelation, but I wasn't prepared for that. If, has anybody read about Laodicea? Yeah, that takes some time to settle. <laughs> and I know God has a message for us, but I couldn't rush it. So um, I'm going to be studying that in the next couple weeks. But this message I shared um, on, on a midweek service a couple weeks ago. And if you were there, I'm sorry. You're going to have to hear it again. But I believe that just sitting here this morning, I believe that it was very intentional that the Holy Spirit wanted it shared here. Because I believe he wants to do something here that he hasn't done here before. Um, raising up some prophetic intercessors in this house that will pray together, that will create this family, this community, and war in the heavenlies, right? When there's smoke trying to invade, no, you're going to go in Jesus' name. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I thank you, Father, that um, you are the strength in my weakness. (laughs) You are faithful, even when we're not. And I just thank you, God, that you will take your word and you will bring life to us, you'll bring truth to us, and you'll anchor us. (laughs) When the world around us is going crazy, Father, we're anchored in your word. So I just pray that you would open our ears and open our hearts that we would receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So prophetic intercession. Some of you may have learned about that. There's so much teaching. I could probably, you know, anybody could probably teach for a whole year on prophetic intercession. So there'll just be a little little um, talk about it today. Really, God is raising up, not just in this church, but across the nation, across the world, his watchmen. His watchmen who will become prophetic prayer warriors. You know, in Isaiah 62, Six, and I want to read that. And you don't have that up there, honey. This is a new one. I got to get my glasses. Adrian shoved them in my purse today, and he said, "You're not going to be able to do that without these." And I was like, "I know, I know." <laughs> See, I do my notes in 14 font, but when I have my when I have to read my Bible, I can't see it. So, 62:6 in Isaiah, it says, "I have stationed watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem." Day and night, they never stop calling out. You too must not rest or grow silent. Keep reminding the eternal to watch over Jerusalem. And God is saying in this house this morning that I didn't even hear this morning when I was studying it. I didn't know what God was wanting to do with this message. I wasn't even planning on sharing this with our Avon Lake campus. But this morning, he is going to create a group of prophetic intercessors that will join together and commit to pray for not only this campus, but to pray for our cities, pray for our families, pray for this region, pray for this nation. He's going to do it. (laughs) That word, watchman, there, 
It's shamar in Hebrew, and it says it means to keep watch, to preserve. See, a watchman is one who pays attention and knows what's happening. Not just in the natural, and we'll talk about that later, but in the spirit, they know what's going on. Not just with demons, right? But with the angels, with heaven, with God, what he has planned for our body, for our nation, for our families. Prophetic intercession is waiting before God in order to receive or hear his burden. His burden. What is his burden? It's a word, right? It's his word. It's a concern. It's a warning. It's a condition. It's a vision. It's a promise. That's what prophetic, that's what the Lord's burden is. And a prophetic intercessor is one who tunes in to receive that burden. Okay, now what do you do with that burden? This is what a prophetic intercessor does. He responds back to him with prayerful petition, sometimes with corresponding action. That's what a prophetic intercessor is. Every single one of us in this room can be that. It's all in our awareness, in our understanding, in our listening, in our receiving the burden of the Lord, and then responding the correct way. So in the Old Testament, we can learn about prophetic intercession from Jeremiah. We're going to talk about Jeremiah a little bit. But, in, but they had priests who would plead the needs of the people, right, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, while the prophets would be bring the interests of God before the people. So you had these two offices. But now in the New Covenant, you see the roles combined. You see the roles of priest and prophet as a watchman or an intercessor who prays back to God a human concern from his own heart. And I'll show it to you in Romans 8. Romans, you don't have this one either. I'm sorry. This was a, this was a last minute thing. Romans 8, 26 through 27. It says, a similar thing happens when we pray. We are weak and do not know how to pray. So the Spirit steps in and articulates prayers for us with groanings too profound for words. Don't you know that he who pursues and explores the human heart intimately knows the Spirit's mind because he pleads to God for his saints? That word up in 26 articulates prayers. It means makes intercession. Makes intercession. That's what a prophetic intercessor does. That description in the Strong's Concordance for intercession, it's so beautiful. I have to read it to you. I can't even say it. It's hyper something. And it means intercede. And it, and it, he, it says here in the Strong's Concordance, it says, refers to the Holy Spirit interceding in every scene of our lives so we can come in line with the Lord's eternal purpose. The content of these intercessions goes beyond human language and includes bringing sacred mysteries into our daily walk with Christ. Isn't that amazing that we can have that? The Holy Spirit says, I'm going to show you how to pray. I'm going to pray through you when you don't even know what you're, what you're supposed to pray. The Holy Spirit comes. That's what that language is for. 
And he prays and he releases the this, this mysteries of Jesus into our lives. It's such a privilege. It's such an honor that every single one of us in here, filled with the Holy Spirit, can, can join God in prayer like this. Isn't that powerful? We need to think, why don't we do this? Why don't we take this more seriously? Why don't we wake up in the morning and go, okay, I'm, I'm partnering with God right now. What do you want to do this morning? What do you want to release into my life? What do you want to release into my kids' lives? What do you want to release over my city? You know, we could wake up and say, Holy Spirit, you want to get this smoke out of here? Come on, let's do it. Right? And then we join together with our group and we speak life and we speak the wind of the Spirit into our, into our city so it blows away. <laughs> it's a high calling that we become the watchmen who make intercession with the Holy Spirit. So back in the Old Testament, let's go back there for a minute, there were two kinds of prophets in Jeremiah's days. Those who thought they knew God's will, these were the prophets that went on a lot of assumption, right? And we see them here in this time, we see the victory prophets. Oh, God's going to do this, and God's going to do that, and God's going to do this. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we have to be careful not to assume what God's saying, right? Because he's always said this, or he said that before, or this person saying this, or this person saying this. So I'm just going to repeat it. Have you been before the Lord? Right? But they didn't take time to really listen to what God was saying or watching for what God was doing. Then there was Jeremiah. Oh, my gosh. Have you ever read Jeremiah? The book of Jeremiah is hard to read because he wasn't like the most joyful prophet. <laughs> he had kind of a hard calling. He, was, he had a rough call from the Lord because all the prophets were prophesying goodness and grace and, you know, freedom and, and prosperity. And Jeremiah heard from the Lord, and he was, he was prophesying, um, you guys are all in trouble. <laughs> like, I don't, know, I don't know what you're seeing, but God's not happy. And he's going to bring discipline for our good, right? Jeremiah 27, 18, he said, but if they are prophets... And if the word of the Lord is with them, have them now plead with the Lord of armies. See, Jeremiah saw what God was doing. He took time to actually receive the burden of the Lord. He'd been given a glimpse into the heart of God, and he was declaring the true prophets of the Lord would know how to pray. And that's what, that's what we do. We go before the Lord so that we know how to pray. We know what his will is for our country, for our, our leaders, for our church, for our family. We know how to pray because we've, we've received the heart of God. You know, becoming a prophetic intercessor or a watchman is not for an elite group of special people. Did you know that? It's not for an elite group of special people. You can become a prophetic intercessor because Jesus tore that veil. And now we can come right into the Holy of Holies, the throne room of God. And he is not talking to me more than he's talking to you, right? He's not talking to Pastor Sue more than he's talking to you. We just open our ears and we sit before his feet and we say, show me your burden, God. 
And then Holy Spirit, pray through me. Show me how to pray. And in turn, we can release the word of the Lord and prophetic intercession over our families. So you may be called to prophetic intercession if. You ready? May be called to prophetic intercession if. First thing is you long for significance. And I know all of us long for significance, (laughs) right? So it's kind of a trick. It's kind of a trick question there. You long for significance. We all want to feel like we're contributing, that we are important. We want to believe that we're special. It's a need that God put in all of us, right? We want to know that our life means something, that we're here for a reason, for we're here for a purpose. And, and God wants you to search for significance. You know why? Because God is searching for someone. God is searching. As we're searching for significance, God is looking over the earth and he's searching for you. He's searching for me. In Ezekiel 22:30, this is a powerful scripture verse. It says, I searched for a man among them who would build up a wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it. But I found no one. Is God able to find you? Is he able to find you praying? setting time aside, seeking his face, looking for his heart, trying to listen. What do you want to do in America? What do you want to do in my career? What do you want to do with my family, right, with my future? Will he find us searching for his heart, for his burden for us? But the truth is, is our search for significance can only be found in Jesus. That's it. That's it. We can look everywhere. We can even work really hard in ministry. We can even try to make ourselves better by going to school and classes and learning this skill and doing this and accomplishing this. Guess what? Your significance is still only found in Jesus. That's it. Have you noticed? I'm sure most of us have noticed that. (laughs) And when we answer the call to become a prophetic intercessor, We partner with God to change history. Talk about significance. Talk about significance that we are able to partner with God. Another way that you know that you're called to prophetic intercessor is you've heard, man, you're so serious. You're so serious all the time. You need to lighten up a little bit, right? (laughs) Can you imagine being Jeremiah? Oh, my gosh. I always think of him when I start feeling sorry for myself because I can be a little serious too. But he was beaten and he was put in stocks because they didn't like what he was saying. He was depressed. He tried to stop prophesying, but what happened? He said, I can't even stop because it's like fire shut up in my bones. He's like, I have to say this even though they hate me. They want to hurt me because I'm saying it. He was labeled, and we may be labeled, too serious, negative, extra. You're just too much. You're always talking about this. Can you just not talk about this all the time? (laughs) You ever heard any of that? But the new covenant, here's the thing. You can, that can be true. You can be labeled too much. The burden of the Lord can become heavy. But guess what? We are in the new covenant. So we actually do hold a responsibility to walk in the joy of the Lord. Even with the burden of the Lord. Why? Because Jesus came. 
right? Jeremiah didn't have Jesus. He was still waiting on the Messiah. We have it. He said, it is finished. We don't have to carry the burden of the Lord. You know what we do? We give it right back to him in prophetic intercession. We give it right back to him. And then we stand back and we go, man, I can be filled with the joy of the Lord now because you took care of it. You said it is finished. And even if everything shakes around me, I'm secure. I'm secure even if nothing's working out, right? In Psalms 55, 22, it says, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow his righteous to be shaken. He never intended us to keep his burden. It was always for the intent of partnering with him and releasing his spirit on the earth. So it's our responsibility to walk in the joy of the Lord and give his burden back to him. 2 Timothy 1.6, For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is now in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and discipline. So we don't have to be weighed down by what we see by what's on the Instagram feed, right? Or what's on the news or what they're saying here or what they're saying there. We don't have to be burdened by it. We don't have to carry that and accept the fear that comes along with it. We can be sure and secure in Jesus. He gives us power, love, and discipline. The third thing, if you may be called to um, prophetic intercession, is you are watchful. Just naturally, you're watchful. This could be labeled, without Christ, without the Holy Spirit, a conspiracy theorist. (laughs) You just know there's something more, right? There's something more. But sanctified, (laughs) filled with the Spirit, those who are watching behind the scenes have heard the Lord. See, I'm going to say something. It's easy to uncover devils and be a spiritual detective. It's easy. He's quite obvious right now. Have you noticed that? Right? He's quite obvious. It doesn't take a prophetic intercessor to see what the enemy's doing. It takes a prophetic intercessor to see what God's doing. To see what God's doing. To go up higher, to get closer, to listen, to lean in, to eat this word, right? To hear his voice. And he invites us to come up higher to see what he's doing. In Habakkuk 2, 1 through 3, he says, I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the watchtower, and I will keep watch to see what he will say to me. How I may reply when I am reprimanded. Then the Lord answered me and said, write down the vision and inscribe it clearly on tablets so that no one so that one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time, and it hurries toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it delays, wait for it, for it will certainly come, and it will not delay long. This is the position of a true prophetic intercessor. They're up where they can see what God is doing. So instead of being conspiracy theorists, purpose to be a prophetic intercessor, right? So those are those three things, significance, seriousness, watchfulness. So do we have anybody here that can relate to those things? Come on, God's calling us. 
He's calling us to be prophetic intercessors. So we're going to talk about what does a prophetic intercessor do. And there's three people that I just want to pull out of the Bible to talk about the, the qualities of their, their lives and how they interacted with their prophetic intercession. The first person was Abraham. First person was Abraham. Abraham petitioned God for grace over Sodom and Gomorrah. He didn't point fingers at them. He didn't criticize them, right? He didn't swear at them. He didn't talk bad at them. What did he do? He prayed for them. That is huge. If we're seeing what's happening, what are we doing? What is our response? We're praying for people, right? We're praying for the ones that need to know the good news, that need to bow their knee to Jesus. And then Daniel, he read the promise and he declared it for his day. He said, this is what's going to happen now because this word says it and I'm claiming it for my generation. And Daniel was the prophetic intercessor of his day. And finally, Anna. Anna recognized Jesus in the temple. Can we recognize Jesus when he shows up? Can we recognize what he's doing in situations? That's huge because he's always doing something, right? He's always moving. He's always moving in our family. He's always moving in our lives. Can we recognize him? Anna was able to see him. And then, of course, Jesus. He was the master prophetic intercessor. He would get up and steal away and go and talk to his father. He would only say what he heard his father say. Could you imagine living that life? That we would have such discipline over our mouths? Oh, my gosh. I try, right? <laughs> it doesn't work. I'm like, oh, that came out of my mouth, really? But we can try. <laughs> We can be filled with the Spirit and live as Jesus did. He said he, he said we could, right? So the first thing they did, all three of these people, excuse me for one second, is they worshiped. <laughs> Worship is a huge part of the life of a prophetic intercessor. But it's not just the music. You know, we love worship music. It's such a big, huge industry right now. We love worship music. But guess what? Worship is so much more than music. It's holy fear. It's awe, right? It's the fear of the Lord. It's reverence. It's living our life knowing that he's right there. When you're washing dishes, when you're cutting the grass, like he's, he's right here with us. It's that kind of worship right? In Psalms 25, 12 through 15, it says, who is the person who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. His soul will dwell in prosperity and his descendants will inherit the land. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. You see, we're, we're looking at this worship to the Lord, the fear of the Lord, He's with those who fear the Lord and then look at God's response and he will make them know his covenant. So there's an exchange in worship. My eyes are continually toward the Lord. There's our worship. For he will rescue my feet from the net. See, worship is that interaction that we have with the Lord. 
It's that slowness in our life that gives him more attention than everything else. And we see this in each of our examples. In Abraham in Genesis 18, he recognized the servants of the Lord. The servants of the Lord came, and they came actually to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And they passed by. Why? Because they had a message that Abraham was going to finally have a baby, right? Sarah was going to have a baby. And he recognized them as servants of the Lord. And what did he do? He made a sacrifice, and he worshiped them. So do we recognize when Jesus is showing up, when he's in a situation, worship helps us with that. Daniel was consistent in his reverence and worship so that it affected even his food. And he prayed three times a day, regardless of the orders of the king. So he was worshiping by praying three times a day, but he was also worshiping by the way he ate. He dedicated himself. And then Anna had decided to dedicate her life in worship and fasting after becoming a young widow. They had all created this life of reverence and awe. And a prophetic intercessor will do just that. I, I like to say the Nazarite spirit. You ever heard of a Nazarite? The Nazarite was in the Old Testament and they didn't touch anything dead. They wouldn't drink alcohol and they wouldn't cut their hair. And I'm not saying legalistically that we should adopt those principles 100%, but we can have a Nazarite spirit, right? That we are reserved, that our life is reserved for the Lord and our interaction with him. The second thing they all did that we can learn from is they listened. They paid attention to his voice, his promise, his word. In 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul told Timothy, study to show thyself approved. Unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we just came out of June, right? We know what June was all about. Did, did we open our Bible and see what it actually says about sexual immorality? Right? Are we listening to the Lord for ourselves? Or are we just listening to what other people are saying? The prophetic intercessor will dig right into the word, listen to what it says. They'll also listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times we are way too noisy in prayer. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to be quiet, right, and stop talking. Let him talk back to us. Listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Reserve time to be away, to quiet down. You know, studying the churches of Revelation, there was a question that I had, and I might have shared this before, but I was asking the Holy Spirit, like, what does it look like for us to eat meat sacrificed to idols? I think I shared that a little bit. But because we don't, we don't sacrifice to idols and we don't eat meat sacrificed to idols, but I know we're not so much better than the churches of Revelation, right? So I asked the Holy Spirit this, and you know, I didn't hear anything for like a week, two weeks. But I took time. I wasn't trying to go, okay, let me just find something. I wanted to hear him. And finally, after about two weeks, he's, he's, he responded to me. He said, what are you consuming? And I thought, oh, I am a consumer. 
what am I consuming? And right when he answered me, that's when all those things started happening with the, um, the brand ambassadors and all of the rainbows and all of that. So it was very convicting for me to look at what I was consuming, right? But that's what I'm talking about, listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit, taking time, letting him take his time, right? Not rushing him to respond to our hearts and our questions, but being careful to be aware and listening. Listening includes getting rid of external distractions. In Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. If the enemy can distract a prophetic intercessor, man, he can wreak havoc over a whole region, right? Because you have a job and a commission from the Holy Spirit. And we can't allow the enemy to distract us. But we have to know that it's an important call to listen to the Lord. And then finally, he'll use his word. He'll use relationships. He'll use our senses. We stay anchored to his word. That's probably the most important thing with prophetic intercession. We have to stay anchored to his word because his word never changes. And then finally, three, we respond. The response of a prophetic intercessor is prayer back to God. It's petition to him. It's repentance. It's plea for intervention. We see something, we say something. You've all heard that term, right? We see something, we say something. We see the Holy Spirit putting a burden on our heart. We pray. We intercede. We get our friends together. We get our prayer partners together. And we say, let's declare this over this situation. Would you pray with me? Would you pray for me? That's our response. God revealed it for the purpose of prayer, just like he did with Abraham, Daniel, and so many others. He wants us to partner with him, to stand in the gap, to maybe declare to others, maybe back to God, but reminding him of his promises. He doesn't need our reminders, but he has chosen to partner with us. You know that your words have life? Your words have life especially over backsliders, especially over backsliders. I believe that. I believe we can pray out the names of our young people and, and the Holy Spirit like goes and gets them. <laughs> we can speak their names out loud. Sometimes I'll be walking on the trail or I'll be in my car and I just feel this heart tug towards people that were in my youth group like 15 years ago. <laughs> and I'm just speaking their name out loud and I'm saying, you're going to be at church tomorrow. I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit wakes you up and gets you in here so that you can hear your purpose and your destiny, that it would come alive. And I'm speaking their name. And that's what he'll do with us. And we have to believe and understand that the Holy Spirit partners with us and he will awaken that for the purpose of justice. We plead for justice on behalf of someone else, true justice. <laughs> The intercessor will take up a case of justice before a sovereign and righteous God. They're like lawyers in a courtroom that says, your word says this, Jesus. <laughs> your word says this. This is the precedent, right, for my prayers. I'm coming before you in your holy throne room. Sometimes you have senses or urging. God taps you on the shoulder and compels you to pray. Sometimes in the middle of the night. How many of you have been waking up in the middle of the night? 
man, that's hard, right? Just get a journal, write it down, go back to sleep, <laughs> or stay up and talk to him. Often he'll speak to me this way and, and when storms are coming in over the lake. There's like something about it. I can feel his presence. And it's like this fear almost, this holy fear. But he'll speak to you through many things like that. Those senses or those urgings. And finally, act. Sometimes God will ask you to do something in response to his prompting to pray. Maybe it's as simple as going up to someone and say, can I lay hands on you? Can I pray for you? Don't hesitate. Can I tell you, don't hesitate? You want him to speak to you, right? We have to obey when he does, right? We have to obey when he does. We don't want to just brush off an instruction from the Lord. Even if we, even if we don't know for sure if we're not hearing him or, or it's us or maybe it's the breakfast sandwich that we had or whatever it is, like we want to respond to him, <laughs> He told Ezekiel to lay on his side for 390 days, <laughs> right? Surely we can go and lay hands on somebody or tell somebody about Jesus. He had me burn my shoes. I've shared that before. It was like just something the Lord told me to do. I don't have a reason. I can't explain it. But he wanted me to be obedient, and so I did. Psalms 2.8 Ask it of me, and I will certainly give the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possessions. We are partnering with the Lord, and he is waiting. He's on the edge of our seat to give us what we pray for. Give us revival. We watched that movie, Jesus Revolution, again on Friday night in Lorraine. And I cried again the whole time because I just want revival. Don't you? Don't you want to see just a flood of young people? Know who they are. Know that Jesus loves them. We just want that so bad. And Jesus says, I will certainly give you the nations. I'll give you the generation if we ask him. So there's so much more that can be taught about prophetic intercession, but I'm going to close now. And I know that God's speaking to hearts in this room to, to create some kind of community here with prophetic intercession. But I want to read this poem to you. I found it and I thought it was so cool. It says, give me a man of God, one man, whose faith is master of his mind. And I will right all wrongs and bless the name of all mankind. Give me a woman of God, one woman, whose tongue is touched with heaven's fire. And I will flame the darkest hearts with high resolve and clean desire. Give me a man, one man, one mighty prophet of the Lord, and I will give you peace on earth, bought with a prayer and not a sword. Give me a woman of God, one woman, true to the vision that she sees, and I will build your broken shrines and bring the nations to their knees. The power of prayer. The power of prayer. Would you close your eyes with us? Father, I thank you that you arranged all of this. 
because you wanted to raise up your watchmen in this place. You want to create a group of prophetic intercessors that are willing to worship, that are willing to listen, that are willing to respond. I thank you, Father, that right now you are speaking to hearts. You are speaking to hearts, God. And you are calling us to respond. So this morning, would you stand with me as we close today? And I'm going to ask if, if that's you today and you know that the Holy Spirit is calling you to respond to this message and to commit to become a prophetic intercessor, I'm just going to welcome you to come on up. And I'm not going to pray, but I want you to respond to Jesus. And just to say yes. And as we close in worship, I just want you to have a few minutes to just respond to him and say yes.